Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm here to help you navigate nuanced conversations and explore topics that demand your attention and awareness. There is no topic off limits here. Together, we will seek to find the middle path, explore the polarities of darkness and light, left and right, grace and grit. As a writer, life coach, and seasoned yogi, I'm in the business of awareness and conscious action. I'm here to create space for the conversations that need to be had in order to create solutions that bridge the divide between humans. Sensemaking will use practical, logical, philosophical, and spiritual tools to help us gain well-rounded perspectives on issues that strike a chord. Let's get started. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I am talking to Katie Lynch. Katie Lynch was a therapist. She is now a mentor for visionary entrepreneurs and thought leaders. She's also the host of Rebel by Design. I found Katie on Instagram as I was chilling out in my home, scrolling along, All of a sudden, I saw these big and bold quote tiles saying very simple, truthful things that not a lot of people say anymore. And she caught my eye. I had to have a conversation with her. I am especially curious about people that work in the mental health realm because it's changing. This work is changing. Therapists are not meant to affirm where the entire industry is changing right now. They're being forced to conform, forced to affirm. And quite frankly, I believe it, it's such, uh, it's going to be a disaster. It's just going to be a disaster. A therapist's job is to ask really, really thoughtful questions It's not to know all the answers or tell someone what's best for them, but it is their job to ask intelligent questions. And that's being taken away from people. So I needed to talk to Katie because I saw someone in this industry saying actually what needs to be said. And these ideas are not controversial. They're just true. They're just not welcomed in today's day and age. Before we get into the show, I have to pay the bills. This episode is brought to you by The Sovereign, my membership series. The Sovereign gives you everything you need for a world gone wild. You'll receive live group coaching with me to work on your health, your wealth, and your sovereign skills, an online wellness studio with daily practices to keep you incredibly strong, and an interactive live online community of freedom thinkers and sense makers just like you. See the show notes to take a look around. And with that, let's get to the show. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Carla Joy Treadway, and I have with me my friend Katie Lynch. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much, Carla. I'm so happy to be here. Katie and I connected on Instagram. I was happily scrolling through my feed in my pajamas one day, and I saw these very bright quote tiles with really simple statements that made a lot of sense. And if you know me and the things that I um, like to talk about, 
I immediately resonated with these posts because they poke holes in a lot of the common narratives and it really caught my attention because there are really so few people in this online space that are willing to challenge uh, groupthink right now. So I reached out to Katie, asked if she'd come on the show. Um, Katie's a therapist. She's a business coach. Katie, for people that don't know you, can you give us a little bit of a background on, on who you are and what kind of work you're doing with people? Yes. So I have been a therapist since 2012. I specialize in eating disorder treatment for a really long time. And when 2020 hit, you know, my business was actually already online, but I moved a hundred percent online and really just, I was still treating eating disorders with clients. I was creating body image groups, but I started to feel differently. I started to kind of feel angry and a bit resentful. And I think really burnt out by the work and the population. And I knew I had to make a change and did not know where I wanted to go. I have been like, for whatever reason, very good online. My content resonates with people. I think it's just kind of like a natural gift that I have. And so I had built a community of like 23,000 people on Instagram, but it was all eating disorder content. And I knew that I wanted to do something different, had no idea where I wanted to go, but I just started talking about different stuff. I just started sharing different things. And eventually over the last two years, it kind of led me into the first thing I started to talk about was the anti-diet space and their rampant cancel culture of therapists, canceling other therapists, coaches, canceling other coaches, and just taking this bird's eye view of like, this is crazy, right? Like this is really insane to watch like healing professionals, like treat each other this maniacally online and thinking about what that means right and so i started to talk about it and really there weren't a ton of people at that time talking about cancel culture i would say at least in that space so i started to then like get a little bit bigger and started to talk about self-censorship and i started to talk about what that looks like with entrepreneurs right because i think during 2020 obviously a lot of change happened in the world right where COVID and racial uprisings. And it's just so many different things happened that I noticed people shut down a lot, like emotionally. And I noticed as an online entrepreneur that that emotional shutdown, that that self-censorship has just really, really stifled people's voices and their growth. And so I started to talk about that. I started to talk about self-censorship. I started to talk about groupthink. I had not treaded into the race and gender waters until recently, I would say probably within the last six-ish months. And now where I am is I really like to help other entrepreneurs in the online space harness their voice, A, because I care about the collective, like A, like I feel like we're in a very big problem if people don't let themselves talk. Right. So uh, there's a selfish, I'm doing that in quotations, motive that I think that we need people to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. So that really matters to me. B, I've also seen that the more that I speak up about the things that matter, the more my business grows. Right. So part of my mission is to help other people do that. A, because the money is good, but B, because you feel free. Mm -hmm. Right. And it doesn't matter how much money you make. If you feel trapped, it's not, it doesn't feel good. Right. So getting to show and and kind of embody the fact that this can be a reality for people has felt so good. 
-hmm. And I even think that, you know, part of being a therapist and part of being an online therapist, there was a lot of like, it was almost like it was so easy to avoid my own voice because I was so consumed with other people's pain and trauma. And so taking a step back from that and kind of focusing on what do I think? What do I feel versus what I learned in grad school versus what my peers are saying versus what the mainstream common beliefs around all these various things are. And I have always been an intuitive child and person and just kind of different, but I didn't let myself be that until recently. Right. And so for me, um, I don't know if you know about human design, but I'm really into human design and I am a projector. I'm a six, two projector and it's starting to really embody that. And it has probably the first time in my life where I feel more like me than I ever have. And it's come with like, certainly a lot of, um, scary stuff, (laughs) but I will always say to everyone, like it was much scarier to be like the shell of myself and to not say the things than it has been to say them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, energy is real and that's, uh, why I was attracted to you to begin with, not just the words that you were saying were just nail on the head, but my experience as a coach and as a wellness uh, practitioner, as a yogi was, I was supposed to be a certain way. As a yogi, I was supposed to show up a certain way. I was supposed to be vegan. I was supposed to be all these things. As a coach, I was supposed to be neutral. And and I went that way for a really long time. And the energy was flat. I didn't even really love what I was doing. I had a nice little perfect grid. And I, what I've learned is I can't actually really serve people when my energy is flat and it's been terrifying being 100% me, but I feel like I'm actually helping people now. And you can see that by what's showing up in my space now, both financially and support and, and all of those things as a therapist can was that kind of the message you're yes. supposed to be a certain way? You're supposed to be neutral oh about opinions. Yeah. I mean, like pro- probably from day one of grad school, I'm a social worker by trade. So like there's a whole lot of slew of stuff with that. But one of the first things they tell you is like tabula rasa, right? Which is be a blank slate, right? Mm-hmm. So be a blank slate for your clients so that they get to take up the space in the room so that you're not, you're not you don't have a personality. Like you're not really you, that you can reflect and mirror to them their experiences. And there's a place for that. Sure. We don't want to make my experience bigger than theirs in the therapy room, but it also, what it does is it quiets you. Right. And for me, what that looked like was I took that and it was not only showing up in work, but it was showing up in life. Mm -hmm. Right. And I have never been much of a blank slate. I have never been, I learned how to be one, right? But I've, that's not my soul. And, so, and I don't believe it's anyone's soul, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I think that it made it really easy and normal to hide as a therapist, right? Like you're hiding behind the rules of therapy. You're hiding behind your avoidance of your own stuff, sitting with other people's pain, mm-hmm. right? So all I, all I was doing for years was making space for them, which is valid, but there was no space for my own experience too. 
Mm -hmm. Right. And if, and if you ever wanted to really bring that up, it was kind of questioned very deeply, right? Like make sure that if you self-disclose that it's positively impacts the client. Right. And I'm like, what if I just, you know, what if they ask me if I have kids, like, I'm not going to answer that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and then there's just so much of it that took like, I would say life away from people. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you show up online and what happens is like everyone creates the most generic, boring content possible mm -hmm. because they're just trying to attract anyone. <laughs> right. And in therapy school, it's not really what it's called, but in grad school, it's like you're learning how to, they teach you how to be a generalist. I mean, it's one of the words, like be a general therapist, right? So that you can help anyone in anything at any moment. Mm -hmm. So you're never truly harnessing like what makes me really excited right? Like, what do I love to treat? The only reason I got into eating disorder work was because I had an eating disorder, right? So I felt very connected to it mm -hmm. and I could understand it. Right. So that was actually one of the first pieces where I was like, well, I get this. I'm going to share this about me and I'm, this is probably going to be more fun. And it was, mm -hmm. it was, it did feel better. Right. But I have found <clears throat> that I personally have had much more growth and success in healing anything when people are open with me, right? Like the coaches I've worked with, the few therapists that have been open, I feel like they're humans. Mm -hmm. And to me, a lot of what I was taught was to be kind of robotic. Yeah. And they would never say that, right? They'd be like, oh, well, you misunderstood, you know, like you took that wrong or whatever. But that's how I felt, right? Yeah. My experience was like shut down, make space for them, don't let anything don't like let anything on about yourself, mm -hmm. which for me can as, as a client, cause I've been a client many times way before I started my own practice. Like that always felt really intimidating for me. Mm -hmm. Right. And I always felt a lot of spotlight and I'm like, can you just tell me anything about you? Cause this is so vulnerable. Right. And the people that do, I'm like, oh, you're a real person, mm -hmm. which is not really in my opinion, what grad school or like therapy felt like for me. No. And personally, I will only work with real people, people that are not neutral. That's the only people that I will personally hire. Mm -hmm. Now, from a business perspective, I think authenticity all the way because it's just super oh, boring when you're a robot. I can see the value in, in being just 100% neutral as a therapist. I do see the value there for clients as well. However, what I'm really witnessing in a lot of the space is people are not neutral. They're just taking uh, a different, they're just taking the stance of the day. So for example, I had a friend that was completely traumatized by COVID in a really dark place. And she in, was struggling with her mental health, went to go see a therapist. And the therapist said, well, I can't talk to you about this because um, you're a grandma killer. Oh. And I was like, wow, this person is struggling with their mental health and you put your own opinion and, you know. I mean, that to me is the like antithesis of what good therapy is, right? Absolutely. Right. Like you can think that all you want. You cannot show up like that. Right. Yes. So like the neutral part, it's like, to me, we can have our own opinions and values, but we can't put that on other people yeah. in my opinion. Right. Absolutely. And what you get to do online, which I think is so much cooler than like anything else is you get to share your opinions and your beliefs so that you're attracting people who are like, 
that's how I feel too. And I want to talk to someone who gets me. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, but I think that we, I'm just going to say many therapists feel like, is that okay? Is it okay to have a a type of client that I genuinely want to work with? Mm -hmm. Like I'm supposed to be open-minded to all I'm supposed to accept everyone. And it's like, sure. But how does that leave you feeling? Right. Mm -hmm. It's like this deep martyrdom in therapy of like, I should accept everyone. And by accept everyone, I mean, I should work with everyone, not like generally accept, but I should work with people who it doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Right. I should suck it up. Even if I like really struggle with this Mm -hmm. client and I'm like, for what? Why? So you can be miserable for a hundred dollars an hour. No, no. Right. And people will come at you and say like, well, that's very privileged and not everyone can afford, you know, all of the rhetoric around that. And I'm like, I still feel how I feel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I still feel that way. You know, how has um, your profession changed since 2020 or maybe earlier or has it changed? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a a social worker. And so I would say, I will say that I haven't practiced therapy in two years. Um, So I have missed a lot of what may have changed, but what I've observed has changed is a lot of therapists kind of blindly going along with uh, the left agenda without a lot of questioning or curiosity for are these methods safe and evidence-based, right? And what I'm talking, I'm just, I'm going to say, I'm talking about gender stuff, right? Like that. And I'm talking about race stuff too, right? Like I think that, and I'm talking about children and development and all of that. And I don't really know what my therapist friends are doing in their sessions, but I do know that many therapists feel pressure to have their licenses revoked. And they feel a lot of pressure to go along with that narrative and a lot of pressure because they're afraid it's going their license will be on the line if they don't go along with something that doesn't feel true for them. Right. I've had many people DM me and say like, Oh, I want to speak out about this, but I'm afraid because of my license. And I'm like, F U C K your license. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and I know that's not <laughs> right. People are like, well, I need a job. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. Right. I do. I understand that. And I also, I'm like, at what cost? Mm-hmm. Right. Like at what cost when we, when we know that something in our body is saying, this isn't true, this isn't right for me, but we continue to do it. or we silently comply to me? There's, there's nothing worse in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I had this conversation with a friend, um, who is still in the therapy world who is in California. So in a, I'm in Tennessee, so I'm in a very different, um, <laughs> like demographic of people than she is. Um, and, and she talks about, you know, like a lot of these theories are being introduced when children are five, a lot of these theories are being introduced, you know, like in in my opinion at ages before that should ever be introduced Mm -hmm. and people aren't saying anything because they're afraid a of their license, but also like of the social repercussions of what happens when you speak up about something, Mm -hmm. right. Which to me feels very new in maybe it's not new, but it feels like we used to live in a time where it was okay to have different opinions and thoughts and beliefs and argue without then being called racist, transphobic, whatever buzzword of the day it is. That feels new for me. I'm also pretty young, right? But like that doesn't feel 
like something that happened 10 years ago, right? That to me is like with the rise of social media, maybe. So in Canada, they made it a law that therapy in terms of gender therapists can only affirm. So you go in there, you start questioning your gender, or maybe you don't, and it's brought up like they they will only affirm, which is that is disturbing to me. That's not a therapist's job. Oh no, it's not only is it not their job. Like to me, that's like kind of the opposite of like our code of ethics, in my opinion. Right. Cause I could take, I could be a person who has bulimia mm -hmm. and I'm not really sure the difference in me saying I'm bulimic. I'm throwing up a hundred times a day. I'm miserable for the therapist to be like, let's figure out how to keep doing it right? Yeah. <laughs> or let's find a doctor that will help you, um, lose weight mm -hmm. by surgery. Right. That would literally never happen. No. And so I just, I'm really confused as to why that that is the only, and I don't think it's like that in the United States, but we don't, I don't know what is going to change. Mm -hmm. I have noticed, and I have no, read the news that a lot of countries have pulled out gender affirming care because it's not evidence-based, yeah. but the United States and apparently Canada are full steam ahead. And, and to me, is- I'm like, why are we affirming what we know to be trauma, what we know to be mental illness, right? And I think a lot of people would say, well, gender dysphoria or, or being different genders, like that's not mental illness. I'm like, well, so far the DSM it is, right? <laughs> right now it is, right? Right now it is. And to me, if my child came to me and was like, I, you know, want to be a different sex or I want to be this, I, you know, I would say like, let's talk about it. Let's mm -hmm. talk about what that means, right? Like, let's, let's see what's happening here. My, my first thought wouldn't be to be like, okay, my daughter's name is Ellen. Like, would you like to become a boy tomorrow? That would never be the next thought. And so I'm not really sure why that that is so outwardly normalized. And I'm saying this as someone who is not transphobic, who is not hateful, who is not a bigot, who has worked with trans people, who has worked with non-binary people, who has worked with eating disorder clients. And my primary concern about people is like, how do you feel? How is your mental state? How can we work to help you feel better? It's not how can we take life altering actions to change your life? Mm -hmm. Never going to be that. No. And uh, it's painted as not a big deal. You know, you see these trans influencers. I've been a girl for this many days and it's lots of fun. Nothing Look at bothers me. me more than that person online that you're talking about. Yeah. The, I, the rage that I feel when I think about that person it is a mockery of womanhood. It mm -hmm. is a disgusting portrayal of what it means to be a girl. It is, it, it is a joke. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and I feel so strongly about it, A, because I'm a girl and woman and I have raising two girls mm -hmm. and it just seemed obscene at this point. And I just cannot believe that people going along with that think that that's okay. I really and just easy and fun. So I have quite a few trans friends and what you're not told is this is a very hard journey with tremendous side effects from medicalization that requires lots and lots of therapy. So the, my trans friends who are doing really well, who were born of gender dysphoria, who acknowledge that I have gender dysphoria. I've known since I was little, 
And I benefited so much from therapy. I benefited because this was never brought to me and pushed as a child. I benefited because my parents never allowed me to transition as a child. I benefited because I received proper care. And this is what's really scary is we're told straight up lies. Uh, Puberty blockers are no big deal. There's no negative side effects. There are horrendous permanent life-altering side effects. There is no way that a child can make these kind of decisions for themselves. There's no, like they might know that they feel- to, To anything. Why can they consent to that? Yeah. And then if you're a concerned parent and you're not consenting, then in some places you can be thrown in jail. (laughs) Like you could, your child be taken away from you. Like, Mm -hmm. where is the outrage for that? If you actually cared about trans people, you would provide them with ample therapy, support, whatever they need. And there definitely wouldn't be this push to medicalize them before they're an adult. You know, adults can do whatever they want. I'm with you. I do not care what happens beyond. I mean, I care because like, I care, but like, I would not feel strongly about it if it were adults making these choices for themselves. Yeah. I feel strongly about it because of the normalization of, of like, you know, mutilating your body before you're of age to make that choice. Right. Mm -hmm. And also normalizing, it's it's like almost not even normalizing it. It's kind of like, you know, like you don't feel that good today. Well, tomorrow you could be somebody totally different. I mean, and it's not only like people who are boys and girls, like, you know, people are talking about like becoming cats. People are talking about becoming ghosts, right? Like, like at what point are we like, this is clearly like obviously pain, obviously delusion, but obviously like people have normalized this so much that it doesn't seem like that for people. Mm-hmm. They take and it too happening far. School, you know? Yeah. No, they, the left always takes it too far. And now <laughs> what you have, and, and they do that in the name of inclusivity, but what's actually happen, happening is increasing intolerance towards trans people mm-hmm. as well as the gay community because yeah. they're making a mockery of it when you it think is. about right. cats or I'm going to, I have 60 right. genders and I can change exactly. throughout the day when I feel like it. It's right. making a mockery out of right. it. And like these illnesses, right, or I don't even like to say the world illness, but like gender dysphoria is real. Right. Like that is a real thing that people experience. Right. But like people don't experience like wanting to become cats. Right. Like we have to like understand the difference between that. Yeah. And in some ways I, I, I've been thinking about this and I haven't really said it, but wondering what really the difference is between someone like deciding like, Oh, like I don't feel good in this body. I don't feel good being, you know, a man or a woman. I want to be the opposite sex. Like, I don't know how that's super different than like a white person being like, I want to be a black person tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like, I understand that that is not maybe rooted in dysphoria, but what that precedent is sets is like that people can decide whoever they want to be. It's okay. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, how does that, what if I decided tomorrow I wanted to be president Biden? Like at what point are we not like, and, and I know it sounds ridiculous, but I think all this stuff would have sounded ridiculous a few years ago too, that we're even talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not to undermine any trans person's experience. It's just, it is so blown out of reality at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, like trying to harness some type of 
reality for my children and some type of, I don't like this word, but quote unquote normalcy and like just basic understanding that feels hard at this point. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing um, from a therapy perspective? What's, what's harmful about critical race theory and the things that we're teaching around that? So I don't know that I would have, would have taken this stance prior to having kids. So I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and I have found that when I think about teaching children that some people are privileged and some people are not just inherently based on their skin tone, that some people are going to have an easier life. Some people are going to have a more difficult life. That's going to affect a child's mental health. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that some of those things may not be based in some systemic truths, right? Mm-hmm. That it is possible. I'm not here to deny that, that, you know, people have different experiences based on the way certain systems are set up. Mm-hmm. I personally believe that teaching that to children is not going to help anyone. Mm-hmm. I think what it does is it just kind of continues to recreate power structures that don't help anyone. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think about like my, like, obviously I have like little white children. Right. And I'm like, how is it going to help them to know, like, I have more privilege than other people. And also like, I might be a white supremacist just because my body, my, my, my genes, I'm mm-hmm. like, how is that going to help them? What is that going to do? How's that going to make you feel? And then for children of color, right. To learn that you will never have it the way that white people do. What does that do to your self-esteem? What does that do to your ability to, you know, like reach for your dreams? Mm-hmm. Like if you are always going to think you're behind no matter what, yeah, based on your skin color. Right. And it, and this isn't like a, a take that I would have had probably a few years ago. I would have been like, yeah, I think that that maybe I, I don't know. I don't know who I was a few years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't seem like that sets anybody up for success. And it certainly doesn't seem like it helps racism, which I think is like in some ways what they're trying to eradicate, but it doesn't feel like that to me. To me, it's like, how can we set up a different power structure maybe? Right. And I ha- I was like looking at some, my, my friend in Miami, she, Miami can be, you know, kind of red and blue at the same time, but you know, like they're given these children, like kindergartners, like, you know, like Billy is white and he, you know, comes from this family and Bobby is Brown and he comes with this family. And it's like, Billy's like in running 20 steps ahead of the other child. They're trying to explain privilege to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, children, a don't understand this because that's not how children are right. Mm -hmm. Children are not like I'm white. So I'm better. I'm Brown. So I'm like, that's not what they think when we teach them to think that way then maybe that's what they think, right? Mm -hmm. So if we don't want people to continue to live the way we, I mean, I wasn't raised that way, but many people were raised, maybe let's not teach that. Mm -hmm. Maybe let's treat every single person like they are divinely perfect, right? And like they are, and Mm -hmm. that no one is above or below. Mm -hmm. What would that do, right? And people don't like when I say that. And other people really do. Right. But, and it's not trying to negate anyone's personal experience, but I think that if we want to create something different for the collective, let's do something different. 
But here's the hypocrisy in that movement is they do negate people's experiences. It's true. So there are many, many speeches online right now from people from the BIPOC community saying that I'm not a victim. Stop telling me that. Stop telling me I'm oppressed. I don't feel oppressed. Right. So why is that person's experience not valuable? And and what this radical ideology will do is attack this man and say, no, 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 you actually just don't understand how oppressed you are. How is that beneficial to the man that's saying, I am thriving, these people around me treat me well, I'm happy, I'm successful. How How is it helpful to tell him? So I, I acknowledge the importance of reality and truth we should 100 percent talk about the atrocities of history we should talk about residential schools we should talk about the holocaust we should talk about slavery mm-hmm. all of these things but there are so many untruths in this movement where we amplify certain stories where we tell straight up lies about some stories yeah. like even like police violence like when yeah. when george floyd Not all erupted, of that was true well what what happened to george floyd was horrible but what you don't hear is that same exact same scenario happened to a white man a few months before like knee to the neck the exact same thing but that doesn't matter you know well that's like because when there's an agenda right and like our brains do this when there's something that people want you to believe you then look for all those things right to to validate your your point Mm -hmm. right and so if And we know how much control the media has. We know how much control pharmaceutical industries have. We know how much control all these things have. And they are going to tell us to believe these things. And then they're going to only show you what they want you to believe, right? And the same goes like detransitioners. There are many people who transition and regret it. We don't hear about that. No. There are many Black voices who do not feel oppressed. Mm -hmm. There are many Black, and it's, it's, black like any any BIPOC person will say that like maybe some do feel but some don't which is normal because not every single person is the same mm-hmm. right like yeah. that's crazy some white people feel oppressed some white people don't feel oppressed I'm a white person who doesn't right like yeah. and we can't just say oh no that's not true or oh no that is true mm-hmm. how can we say that we don't know like that's one experience like in the Amplify Melanated Voices movement in June of 2020, I remember, you know, looking at that and reading all of it. And then I also had this moment of like, which Melanated Voices, right? Like a hundred percent, like I'm ready to hear and listen, but like, I think that I'm only seeing one type of opinion. Are there other types, mm-hmm. right? My brain, when, when a whole movement is going one way, I tend to to want to know what's going on on the other side, right? It's just kind of how I am. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's how I've been with like the trans stuff is like, what do the people who have done this but regret it say? Like, who are we not listening to? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's like, why are certain voices more important than others, even within that a, the same race? Yeah. Right. And it's interesting. <laughs> like, I don't know the point. I don't know why. I don't know, like, you know, people be like, well, why would people do that? Like, what, what what do you think the purpose of it? The agenda is I'm like, I don't, I honestly don't know. And I'm not here to explain, like, I have no idea why people would want that. And I'm sure there's many different takes on that. But all I know from a grounded, I think logical place is that it's not helping. Right. 
it is not furthering us. It is dividing us and we're in a regressive time, if anything. Mm -hmm. And I think it's scary to watch that happen to kids, right? Like, I don't know that I would talk about this so much if I didn't have children. Would I still be interested? Probably. But like the way that I feel about it feels like, it feels deep, I think at this point. Same. I I have two little girls and I am getting really involved in the schools and getting increasingly frustrated because we're we're a little behind in Canada, but I'm watching what's happening in the States because you guys are just a few steps ahead. Or are we? (laughs) Right? Canadians are pretty blind at this point. They think it's totally fine to, they think it's harmless to teach these things. And I would have said that a few years ago too. Like I would have been like, expose people to diversity, expose, and I believe that it's exposed to diversity and diverse viewpoints. I draw the line though, (laughs) right? Like there's a line that needs to be drawn in the sand. And I also kind of have a firm belief about teachers are not the people to teach these things. The teachers as a therapist, they're not trained in talking about CRT. They're not trained in talking about the transgender movement. They're not trained in that stuff. Like they have their own opinions fine. They have their own beliefs, fine. And then they're being, I don't know if pushed, but like told like what to tell. And that doesn't work for me. Well, they're trained. They do like a weekend immersion in equity or they read a book, but they're not therapists. They're not transformational group work leaders. They're, they're, they're educators. And we're taking educators and giving them a glorified social justice role, which is not, it's not their role to teach my children. But then they feel like almost more important, I think, right? Yeah. Like to me, it, and it's like, teachers already have a very important role, yeah. but it's like, no, we're not learning math now. Like now we're learning about like, that there can be 77 different genders. And well, it's and like mandating these things. So I'm not, I'm against council culture. So I actually have no issue, not no issue, but I'm not saying ban gender ideology or ban CRT, but in Canada anyways, they are, mandating yeah. these theories. I know. So th- I think it's just kind of insane. Even just hearing you say that, like you can't mandate a theory, like right. it's a theory. Yeah. Right. And I know that the left, I'm just going to say in my opinion, the left would say like, well, it's not a theory. Like this is truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, it's actually not. There right. are actually very, I mean, not very few things, but very few things that are actually truth actually fact, right? Like hope, you know, like math two plus two is four, right? Like that's a fact, right? And I think that there's so much that we don't know about the repercussions about CRT, about the gender ideology movement that I don't know who we think we are Mm -hmm. to be teaching things. I mean, it's like saying like Marxism works as a fact. Socialism works as a fact. Like they're not facts. No, It's embarrassing how little people know about history. And and I say that because I didn't, it's only been the last few years that I've done such a huge deep dive into politics and and history. But this this is why I left the left. I was a liberal because in Canada, this is what you think. You think a good person is left and and a bad person is is on the right and, and they're a bigot. So I had to change because the left has become so intolerant and, and that is what i thought the right was 
The left is what the right is. Yeah. Like if you want to be a rebel today, you got to be a conservative Christian. You're a homeschooling conservative Christian. Rebels. It's like it's crazy. Right. So and the, and, no, sorry. The, the intolerance comes from the fact that, okay, so postmodernism infiltrated our educational institutions, right? Which means that there are no facts, really. It's like your experience, my experience. And that's fine. But unfortunately, there are um objective realities there like objective to choose for and and this is why the gender thing is so contentious because there is such thing actually as biology that is a thing and this is why the left gets increasingly intolerant because you ask them politely to define something you know like like that documentary what is a woman and they can't so then they just resort to name calling and canceling because they actually just don't have a calm rational argument to support what they're saying and all they have to say back to that is transphobic bigot right like i used to i i don't follow him but i go to his page or, or their page sometimes um jeffrey marsh and jeffrey is a non-binary activist and he or they i think jeffrey is a they but they wrote a post about how there is no such thing as boys and girls. And I was horrified. I was like, how can you say that? Like, where, who gave you the authority on the audacity to say there's no such thing? Like, I'm one. Mm -hmm. I'm one. My kids are girls. My husband's a boy. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, what you're trying to say, which I don't even agree with, but like, is that gen, like, that you don't, I think like the message is like, you can be whoever you want to be, right? Like you don't have to be a girl who is doing this or a boy who is doing this. And I come from the belief of you can be a boy who likes ballet and who likes jazz and who likes stereotypical feminine things. And you can be a girl who likes stereotypical masculine things. That doesn't mean you're no longer a boy or no longer a girl. So in my perspective, the, the gender stuff feels like it's actually doing this backwards thing where it's putting people more in boxes, mm -hmm. then I think the attempt is to be like, it's all fluid. It's all this. And I'm like, if it's all fluid, then what is the obsession with changing? Right? right. Like if you can be that and you're telling other people, you can be whatever you want to be and whoever you want to be, but you don't actually believe it because you're transitioning. That's right. Right. I'm like, and I'm like, am I missing something here? I mean, I asked my friend, I was like, are there more than two sexes? Cause I'm starting to feel gaslit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, did I miss something in biology? Mm -hmm. And I understand there are intersex people. Like I get it. Right. But the mm -hmm. vast majority of people, I'm not even going to say that people are male or female, mm -hmm. vast majority. Right. And, and so being called those names, just when you want to have a rational conversation with someone, I'm like, well, I can't proceed with you, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, I'm just exhausted. It's exhausting to be constantly told that you're a bigot or you're this. And I'm like, I'm not a bit. I mean, I was a flaming like heart or whatever it is, like, like liberal, mm. you know, like equality mm. for everyone, Yeah, you know, like, that's what it's supposed to be. It's yeah. supposed to be accepting, but that's what that's what people on the left don't realize is that yeah. classic liberalism doesn't exist. And that's what I am. Like if I like if I had to identify, I'd be like I'm a classical liberal slash libertarian slash like mm -hmm. now maybe veering on the conservative side. <laughs> but like the truth is, is you know, and I wrote this, and I'm sure you feel similarly. Like the left is only tolerant to the left. 
which isn't tolerance. Yeah. Right. Like what if I was like, oh, I'm, I'm white. I'm only tolerant to whites. Like I would be beheaded. Right. Like, or, oh, I'm black. I'm only tolerant to that might actually be accepted now. Right. But like, what is, why is that okay? Yeah. And why do other people not see it or why are other people, oh, I know why they're not talking about it, but like what, I mean, like, I hate to use the word like clown show, but it, that's what it feels like to me. Why don't they teach in school that you should get married before you have sex and you should have a monogamous relationship? Like, why don't they, because the school shouldn't be talking about that period. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't know that that's why my child's in school. Right. Like that's no. not, like that's and not, that's a family to me. That's a family thing. And that doesn't mean I'm a bigot. And this chip on people's shoulder that they feel like, well, kids need to know about this. Um, the internet. Yeah, Are like, you do you think that they're not the going to find out? <laughs> the right? internet is a thing. They knew and before also, they came to school. At some point, why do they need to know right now? Right? Like, why do they need to know? Like, what is that going to do? Right? Like, at some point, they're going to be exposed to different people. Like, and their brains hopefully will be a bit more mature enough to understand it. Right? Well, don't quote me on the stats, but we're seeing something like a 4,000% increase in, in kids wanting to transition or be non-binary. What is that? Is that because people just feel safe to come out? Well, if that were true, then you would see a bunch of um, seniors coming out as well that finally feel safe to do that. And that's not a thing. It's not happening. What, what I'm witnessing is you have a period of life where kids are awkward and confused and socially anxious and isolated and they're on their phones and they don't feel good and you're offering them a quick solution are, oh the exactly. reason you're awkward and anxious is actually because you're probably non-binary it's like no it's because you're 13 and it's not gonna go away and it's actually gonna get worse if you do something like medicalize or have a permanent surgery all your problems will get worse and in fact all of this is you avoiding your problems and this is not for every student yeah but i guarantee a vast majority of them are actually just 13 and also i'm sorry for all the noise i can hear snowmobiles and it's christmas time everyone is at home with me dear god i'm fine no i mean i i feel that i thought about that too right people i think people think that we don't think about those alternative perspectives that we're just like so single-minded and i'm like I've thought like, are people really just feeling more comfortable to be their true selves or are like, what is what's happening here? And I'm like, well, I also think that we're in like a mental health crisis, right? Mm -hmm. I also think that we've been locked in our homes for years and that the only thing, a lot of our connection point has been social media. And that when you are in pain or struggling, like you said, for someone to give you a quick fix, you're probably going to take it mm -hmm. right. Like, and, and here's me, I was 13. I struggled with my body. If someone had said like, do you want like weight loss pills? I would have taken them. Mm -hmm. If someone said like, do you want lipo? I would have been like, yeah. yeah. Right. Like, and I, I mean, I did, I didn't do that, but like when I was 19, I got implants and it, this isn't like to shit talk plastic surgery, but like I did those things to try mm -hmm. to feel better. Mm -hmm. Luckily that's not for me. I wasn't life altering. Right. But the truth mm -hmm. is, is it's still these same type of mechanisms of, I'm in pain. And, and I have found that the world is, has a very hard time sitting with discomfort of any kind, right? Mm -hmm. That our tolerance for pain and suffering and anxiety and grief is very low. 
Mm -hmm. When it's very low, you're going to look for something to make you feel better instantly. And I used to be that way, right? Whether it was like, for me, I would get on the scale a hundred times. It was a compulsion or for, you know, like I would try to lose weight, whatever it was. Right. But the costs right now feel very high for that. Puberty blockers are a high cost, right? Mm -hmm. Like removing healthy tissue from your body. That's a high cost. And you're on them forever. So I, I had a really hard time in grade seven and eight. I was like bullied relentlessly, felt super alone. That was really hard for me. Now I look back at myself then if I lived in today's day and age, if someone told me, you know, maybe everyone's picking on you because like you're not your real self, or maybe if you like took on this new identity, you're actually going to raise your status. Yeah. I probably would have taken that out instead of doing the work to love and be comfortable with myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think like that's a hundred percent true. And it's not to say that there aren't people who transition and feel okay. And it's not to say that those people don't exist. I'm not trying to take that away. Yes, from really do. Mm -hmm. I believe that like, let's wait until your organs are fully developed until your bone mass is there until your brain is more functional. Let's wait. Medicalization hurts children period. Right. E even for someone the suicide that suicide rate is not better. So that statistic that people throw out all the time False. that like, well, it's this or suicide. It's actually not, it's no. actually not this or suicide, right? Because I have seen through the research that gender affirming care doesn't help with the suicide rate. Why? Mm -hmm. Why? Because the root issue has not been addressed. Mm -hmm. Why did my breast implants and losing weight not help my soul? Cause it mm -hmm. wasn't that mm -hmm. it wasn't that right. And I think we all soul wise at some point know this but have been taken away deeply from our sovereignty embodiment truth connection and and that's i believe like where we are and so this is a reflection of that you mm -hmm. know well truth is the word because the reason this thing continues is because there's so many untruths stacked on top of everything to perpetuate the story medicalization of children is safe you know critical race theory will make things less racist and more tolerant um even like history right stats about police violence there are so many things that are not true that right. are being shoved down people's throats and then this lies the problem right we think it's the right thing to do. <laughs> well, that's it. That's the thing. It's like, it's this place. And, and that's, you know, I talk about cancel culture a lot. It's like people who do this feel like they are helping mm -hmm. people who are virtue signaling in this way. People who are telling me that I'm a bigot, people who are telling me that I'm phobic, like they think that they're doing the public a service. Mm -hmm. So they are even more heavily validated. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to walk away from that type of validation if you are so deeply disconnected from yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that's not going to change, <laughs> right? Like mm -hmm. that, I mean, it could change, but it has to come from like the capital S self in order for that to change, right? And I mean, it just, it truly, it's all truly astounding to me at this point. Mm -hmm. And the, here's a funny stat that most of the people that push this, I remember PragerU doing a survey in the breakdown, the demographics of who actually supported these theories, um, particularly in terms of race. Um, it was 
the majority was white. I was going to say women, women. (laughs) white women always, right? White women always, but they also will say like, oh, white women are who get, who got Trump elected. Right. So I'm like, can we, do we have it both ways? Right. Like people, it's like whatever. And I believe that honestly, but Mm -hmm. then you will see, you know, you've probably talked to, talked to, you know, certain people who would blatantly disagree with the fact that, you know, like racism is a, a problem the way it was 20 years ago, right? Or, or who just blatantly disagree with some of these things who maybe, who are black, like who, you know, and it's like, but that doesn't matter. Like that voice doesn't matter, right? It's only like what, what this specific agenda is. And I know that saying the word agenda makes me sound like a conspiracy theorist <laughs> and I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care if people think that. I really don't, right? Like I really don't care. Um, I know there has to be some type of something going on in the world at large, because this is to me bigger than what we've seen before. I think there's absolutely an agenda when I see everything clear as day politically right now, where I see the left going far, far, far left. We, we talked about Marxism. We're talking about globalism. The what's the world's biggest problem they're saying they're saying the world's biggest problem is climate Climate. change because there's Mm -hmm. too many people if there's too many people you're going to need to learn how to control them somehow right so i found it really really interesting that this all exploded right before this very weird pandemic so first you traumatized the whole world because you told all these nice people that they were actually racist Mm-hmm. Right. So they were horrified. You weaponized their guilt. I like went along with all that. I did all these trainings. So now they feel really bad. And you're told there's actually no way that you can get out of your racism because oh, it's just how you were stuck born. here forever. But then we get this pandemic and they're like, well, we actually have a chance for you to redeem. You can redeem yourself here if you do this one thing you're a good person now and but people are holding on to that like no tomorrow right the like the virtue signaling like look i am a good person see see i am and i just see this trend carrying on into other yeah. things it's a way to control people this is why i think what you're doing is really important why i think podcasting is really important because we need more of us that are brave enough to say, I don't care if you try and cancel me or name call me because it's actually how we're controlling everyone right now. Right. And it's like, I, I'm just shocked that people don't see this still, right? Like we're going on year three of lunacy, you know, Mm -hmm. and it truly, it shocks me to my core. And I also understand that that's that like, it's almost like there's so much chaos going on that people just feel like it's normal at this, like that then people don't have the the skills and the regulation to uh, talk about it or address it. And they also don't think that they can do anything about it, right? That they're, well, what can I do? I'm like, well, you can talk about it, right? Because the truth is, in my experience, the silent scene of people is like the agenda is like best case scenario, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And the more people, it doesn't matter who you are, who are talking about it. You can be white, you can be black, you can be trans, you can be, it doesn't matter. We need all the voices, Mm -hmm. right? We need all the voices because what happens when like people stop talking is you have literally no control. When you don't have free speech, you have nothing, I mean, you have nothing. And we have seen that, or I have seen that, right? In various countries, 
who are governed that way. Canada, right? they're trying to pass yeah. a censorship bill to control the internet. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't know how people comply with this bullshit at this point because how dangerous is it when you have an entire country going along with Okay, lots of people went along with the health measures because they genuinely believe in them. Most people went along with the health measures and think they're crazy because they were threatened or this or that. Right. And how many teachers are teaching this right now that don't agree with it? Imagine the places we get to this. People hate when we compare this to 1940s, but this is what happened in the 1940s. Everyone went along with mm-hmm. things that they didn't agree with. This is, we need to keep that in mind. Because I know that's not- they didn't think what... that they had control or power or a voice. Yep. And it's like, well, guess what? You have a lot less control or power if you don't talk. That's right. I'm not saying like, I'm gonna change the world, but I am saying like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna die wishing that I had spoken up. It's not gonna happen. No. Right. Like I am not going to be on, in my opinion, the wrong side of history, blindly obeying. It's just not going to happen, you know? And people love the word privilege, right? They love the word privilege. So here's a privilege. Let them have it. Thinking that (laughs) you happen to live in a time and place and country where bad things don't happen. Oh, that's crazy that you compared this to 1940s or you want to compare us to Mao's China or to Russia because we're not like that in we Canada. Are like that. We're not like that we in the like US. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest fucking Western privilege I've never heard. You think that right. all of a sudden you won't do horrendous things. You're doing them now. People have done horrendous things. Yes. And we've seen it. I mean, we've seen people not be allowed to be you know, like with their parents dying in a hospital. We've seen the way that people are treated if they don't decide to get a vaccine. We've seen the way, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen that healthy children are being mutilated. And I'm sorry for that word, but like, it's the truth. And it's like, we're in it now and no one is doing it. I'm not gonna say no one. Many people are not doing anything. That's right. And I don't know know how the Holocaust happened. Like, how would you be in 1940s? You know now. You know. I know. And people really get very uncomfortable with that mm-hmm. assertion. And I'm like, you're uncomfortable because it's activating or triggering in you and you're not doing anything about how you feel. Well, here's a really good example for people that think that I'm incredibly ignorant for saying that during the pandemic in Canada. So I didn't get vaccinated during the pandemic in Canada, our government uh pays the news right so the the news is basically a branch uh just an arm of the government is that legal probably not i mean i asked i was talking about it with someone's like is is that happening in the united states and my gut is like yes but like i don't know if it's legal you know so here's where i was at in that year i was an unvaccinated person Hmm. watching the news with the news putting out surveys and people that were vaccinated weren't paying attention to this the news said should we jail the unvaccinated and there were polls out and then i would watch more news where parents were going to court and children are being taken away from unvaccinated parents and then our prime minister went on the news and said how long should we tolerate these people these people are all racist misogynist 
white supremacist. Katie, I had a plan to flee the country in no, the middle. No, I was going to ask you, were you like, I'm going to move to Florida? No, I, I was, I am like feeling in my body as I'm telling you, I was terrified, you know, for my friends to all ditch me during that time period too. And I'm watching the news and I'm watching our prime minister speak on this saying, he's not going to tolerate me. They're going to jail me. I had a whole underground railroad set up to like smuggle people into the United, I was gripped with terror. And how how do you take that and not compare that to what was happening 50, 100 years ago? Like, why did I think that? Oh, you're being crazy. Why did I think that? Because he told me that. Right. Her country uh, why did I think that? that? Because that was my option. Yeah. Right? Like, I didn't create that. And people will be like, I mean, just get vaccinated. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, this is beyond the vaccination at this point. Like, do yeah. people not understand that? Like, this is, it might have started all out of like medical freedom. It became much bigger than that. It yeah. became much bigger, right? And to me, every every inch that we're taking right now, I'm like, this is not just about um, broadening the word woman to also meaning man. I'm like, this is setting precedence. Yeah. Right. This is creating something much bigger than any of us know. Right. Talking mm-hmm. about people who should or should not be tolerated, who are your citizens mm-hmm. because of a medical decision they make. And then the people, the other, like the left or whatever are like, well, of course that makes sense. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Right. And it's like, where am I? <laughs> like, I where am I? You know, where am I? And it's truly unfathomable to me. And I, who knew that Canada was going to be like that? I mean, like that, I know, who knew? I remember a couple of white influencers during the trucker convoy saying that anyone that participates or supports the convoy is a racist, white supremacist, Nazi. And meanwhile, I was working with several BIPOC communities, several reserve communities, because I helped with that. Um, they would I'm say working. you're still racist inside, even though you are helping people yeah. or working with, like, they would be like, you are still that. That's right. And I was there. So I know what it was. And the truth is there was not one, one incidence of violence or harm. Not one. Yeah. But they're going to continue to just believe. It's a narrative that works for what they're trying to push. And mm-hmm. it's worked. I mean, like we have, to, it's worked. But it doesn't work anymore. And we mentioned it before because now I've been speaking out proudly about everything for two years because the left throws names at everything and the most extreme names, racist, Nazi, white supremacist. None of these words have meaning. None of these words. You could literally call me any of these words and I there's no physical sensation in my body whatsoever. Yeah. And you wouldn't say that two years ago. You know, two years ago, that would have been like, oh my God, like, where am I going to repent? Or what do I have to do? Right. Somebody got mad at me recently because I said one of my posts was talking about how like, you know, black people aren't a monolith. White people aren't a monolith. Gay people Mm -hmm. aren't a monolith. You know, like everyone, which is (laughs) this, this parent, she's a conscious parenting coach and is black was like very angry that I had the audacity to write something about black people. Right. Mm -hmm. She was like, keep black people out of your mouth, basically. And I was like, do you know what I'm saying about black people? I'm saying that y'all are not the same. 
yeah. right? Like what part about this is offensive to you? And it wasn't what I said. It was the fact that I'm some, in her mind, dumb white girl talking yeah. about stuff, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, fine, hate me, be mad at me all you want. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Get used to my annoying ass. Like, I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm, I, and you know, I think the way you said it was so beautiful and like, like we're poking holes and the holes are poked, mm -hmm. right? And people see it and they don't want to see it because I didn't want to see it either. I did no, not want to see all the things. Do you know how much easier it would be if I agreed? And I have said that to my husband, to some people. I'm like, don't eat. I like desperately wish. And not, I don't feel that way anymore. But when I was like waking up, I was like, it would be so much easier to be like that good little liberal girl. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And like, of course I wanted to be, I wanted it to be easier. Of course I wanted to trust the government. Of course I wanted to think the vaccine was safe. Like, of course I wanted that. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I, and that's not my, that's not like, in my opinion, what God is using me for, right? <laughs> like I'm here to do something different mm -hmm. as uncomfortable as that's been. I'm here to do something different. That's right. And if you feel that tap that you're like, I don't think everyone is meant to say something on social media. I would, I would love it if more people actually said what they really want to say, yeah. but it, you know, I, I choose to do that online. You choose to do that online. I don't think necessarily that's for everyone to do, but we definitely need way more of us doing it because if you don't understand how we get to very dark places when people comply it's with turning blind eyes, mm -hmm. right? Like that's how it is. And it's, it's not like, oh, all these people are so bad. It's like, people are just allowing people to make decisions for them. It's not so bad getting canceled. Like it, it sucked at first, but now it's the it easiest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. No one comes after me now. They gossip behind me, potentially yeah. behind the scenes, but no yeah. one will have a conversation with me wow. because they know, you know that you they can't justify their yeah. stance exactly. without just name calling. And I'm like, right? I don't care if you say that to me, right? And you know, in some ways, talking about cancel culture created a community of people who are like pretty anti-cancel culture, right? <laughs> and have there been people who have tried a hundred percent and I'm just like, okay, like, what is that going to do? Mm -hmm. What's it going to do? Like, I'm going to come back, you know, like if you try to get, you know, like Instagram has tried to take posts away from me, I'll make another one. Yeah. Right. Like I, like I said, like, I'm not going away. <laughs> like I am going to yeah. be that annoying beaver that pops up and is like, I'm here. <laughs> like I'm a squeaky wheel, you know? So you've kind of moved away from therapy now. Um, why did you make that transition and, and what are you working on now? Yeah. So I think that I moved away from therapy for a lot of reasons, but most, if I really get like quiet about it, I think that it wasn't my purpose, right? Like I love helping people and I love sitting, sitting with people and helping them. I like, I like helping, but I don't think that I was meant to be helping in that capacity anymore. And so what that resulted in for me was like deep burnout and exhaustion. And I knew that and angry, I was angry, right. And I wasn't angry at my clients. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't about that. It was like, this system is upsetting to me mm -hmm. and I need to figure out a way to feel good and also use my skills. And honestly, a part of it, like 
you know, therapy, it was like seeing five or six people a day. And I didn't feel that rejuvenated. And I want to feel rejuvenated from work. I want to feel so excited. And now I do. And so I moved into coaching and first it was kind of life coaching and I really liked that. And then I really started to talk and speak to entrepreneurs who wanted to build and grow. And for, at first it was therapists, like, cause I just saw such a need for therapists to like have support in building a business because they're so uniquely bad at it. We weren't taught how to do that. Right. We weren't taught how to market or connect in that way. And we work so hard and get paid so little. And so that felt very important to me. And now what feels important to me is that still, but it doesn't have to be a therapist, right? It's kind of connecting to anyone who is building something and wants to use their voice to build it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not someone who is like, let's talk about funnels and freebies and opt-ins. And like, I'm like, no, like the power of your message is going to get you so far. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I like to help people with now. And kind of, like I said earlier, like, does it make you a lot more money? Yes. And it also gives you a lot of freedom in your soul, mm-hmm. which I think we're all craving and it helps the collective <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to have powerful voices out there. And people are often like, well, I don't want to talk about what you're talking about. And I'm like, you do not have to, mm-hmm. but there is something that is deep in your soul that matters to you that you're probably not sharing. If that's something in your industry, if that's just some random take, like Mm -hmm. we are humans, like we are designed to have voices and speak Mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel good when we don't. And so that has been like a larger mission for me and to kind of talk to people on my podcast, like who are like, quote unquote, like wrong thinkers, problematic, dangerous, right? And, you know, the things that I've all been called, you've probably been called, right? And I will tell you that those people have been probably the most tolerant, kind people I've ever known, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting, is all I'll say, you know, Mm -hmm. who are able to sit there and disagree with me sometimes or, or agree with me or feel, you know, that just the ability to hold multiple truths at once, I think has been a very big deal. And in the online world, and in my opinion, the left, it's very binary, binary thought. And that just doesn't work, right? Like life is much more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. And to be able to have conversations with people who have different viewpoints about everything, I mean, it's the biggest freedom I've ever experienced, truly. Mm. Is there anything that you would have done differently the last few years? I wouldn't have gotten vaccinated. Hmm. And I've never said that out loud. I don't think, um, I had three miscarriages in the last two in last year. And I'm not saying correlation is causation. I am saying that I had two healthy pregnancies prior to that with no issues. And that happened. And the only reason I did the vaccine was because I felt such deep social pressure. Mm-hmm. And I thought that if I didn't get this vaccine, I wouldn't be able to travel. I wouldn't be able to go anywhere. My friends would have been like all of that stuff. I don't know if it would have happened. I mean, it's clearly not happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, but I made a decision that was not in alignment for me. And I regret that. So that's what I would have done differently. I think I got one. 
before mm-hmm. I thought there was a problem with it. And mm-hmm. then someone I knew my age, totally healthy, died two days later. No other reason. Mm-hmm. And, it just gave shivers down my body, honestly. And I know quite a few people from podcasting. My husband was a professional athlete. We've lived in a lot of places. So maybe I just know a lot of people. Um, I know eight. I know someone that went blind. I know multiple heart attacks. I know Bell, Bell's palsy. I know stillbirths. And, and then, that's so interesting because I don't know one thing. Actually, I know a lot about miscarriage. I've had a lot of friends miscarry in the last two years, but nothing beyond that. Mm. And maybe we're just lucky. <laughs> Not that I've said that that experience was lucky, but like mm-hmm. my husband was somebody who was like, well, do you know anybody in real life who like stuff like this has happened to? And I was like, well, it's too early to tell. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, no, yeah. I don't know yet, but like, this is brand new. That's how it gets swept under the table too. But I knew people where it happened pretty quickly. Yeah. And when I told my friends there, they just like, they wouldn't even hear it. And I'm like, I'm not making this up. I'm a 38 year old professional. Right. I have no reason to I mean, make, I went and got immediately it. Like a conspiracy theorist, like immediately. Right. And I'm like, can we just talk about this for a second? Yeah. Nope. I remember asking my children's pediatrician, right? Because pediatricians are like, let's vaccinate every single yeah. person for every single thing all the time. And she, this was like probably early 2021. So the vaccine was very new, still is very new, (laughs) but very new. She's like, oh, have you gone vaccinated yet? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And I just, you know, I wanted to ask you some questions about it. I was like, I, you know, I have some um, reservations and she was like, you know, like immediately you could tell this like shift and energy of like, oh, like who am I dealing with now? Mm -hmm. Right. And it taught me like, okay, that this person is not safe to have questions for, right? Mm -hmm. This person is not safe. And then I asked my, not my pediatrician, my general practitioner. And everyone was like, people are dying who don't have this. Mind you, I had had COVID by the time that I got this shot. So I was even dumber, right? Like I had already had the illness. I was sick. I was okay. Mm -hmm. So then I'm still getting it right? It's like, I had the flu like a week ago. I'm like, and I was going to get the vaccine after I would never do that. Like, mm-hmm. that's not logical. So like, I was making all these decisions because all these people were scaring the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Right. And people were like, Oh my God. But like, what if something happens to you? And I'm like, well, I've had it. If nothing happened to me, I'm okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And it just, it has felt like I knew in my bones not to do it. And I did it. And I'm not going to do something like that again. You know, Mm -hmm. I asked the professionals too. And, um, I was told lies and maybe they weren't lying. I think that to be true. So they were one. I asked about long-term side effects. They said, Oh, there's no such thing as long-term side effects after two weeks. That's what they told me too. The truth is they just don't test for that after so that it. was a lie. And then the other lie was, I'm like, but what about myocarditis? No. And they said, oh, that's not a big deal. Um, for everyone listening, it's permanent heart damage that actually shortens your lifespan. It's a big deal. <laughs> it's and a big deal. I remember deal. saying, you know, asking about um, my cycle, right? I just remember because after COVID, I had a funky cycle, right? Like after having the illness, I had a funky cycle. 
And I remember people talking about getting the first COVID shot and they're like, oh my God, my period is so crazy. It's so crazy. And I asked and they were like, I mean, there's not enough, there's no evidence. And I'm like, of course there's no evidence. Like it hasn't been tested. Mm -hmm. Like, of course not. Right. But like, is it possible? And that's the thing. It's like, anything is possible. So don't mm -hmm. tell me it's not possible. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I'm not saying like that this vaccine is inherently dangerous. I, I don't know, right? Like I think for many people it is. And for many people it's fine, which is like kind of how a lot of things are, right? Yeah. And <laughs> and that's not how I, I'm not all or nothing, right? I'm like, you know, you make the choice that feels empowering for you, but we were not given informed consent with these decisions in my perspective. And I'm like, well, how could I have been given that when it was six months new? How could I have known? That's right? not even a perspective. That's a hundred percent true. We were told safe and effective point blank, get it. No other information. The Nothing. side effects from they the They say the unit. same thing for children's vaccines though, too. Like I have gotten my kids vaccined, but vaccinated. And it's not that I've regretted that, but I didn't know anything about any of that shit. Like I never questioned it. I just did it. Like now, and I now looking back and I'm like, I didn't even ask. I didn't even ask. Oh, same. Right. And it's like, I wasn't ever taught that it was okay to ask. And, and it was just so normal. It was so normal. And I don't know that I would have made different decisions, but I would have felt better at least giving myself the power to ask. Right. Right. And, and to not I... be shamed for asking questions. No. Doctors roll their eyes at you when you have a question. Right. I remember. Like, friends, oh, like, what, did I... you go to medical school too? <laughs> you know? Right. I can read the insert that comes in the package. <laughs> Literally. Right? I'm like, well, I know. Well, it's like when people say, well, I believe in vaccines. Vaccines are, are, are safe. Which vaccines? They're, they're not all the same. That's like saying, I believe in medicine. Well, what medicine? For whom? For what condition? Okay. You believe in medicine? Okay. Do you think everybody should be on blood thinners? Because right, you believe exactly. in medicine. Does everyone need to be on, you know, like high cholesterol pills? No. Right. Can we talk about those things that every single body is uniquely different and every needs separated are vaccine from medicine, right? So medicine, well, of course, well, medicine has side effects and it's only right or wrong for the, uh, like certain conditions, certain people, but, but vaccines are just, there's just nothing wrong with them. And it's the same for everybody. No, it's a drug. How, how could that also, be, how could that be true? Right? Like, how could that be true? Right? Like Prozac is fine for some and not for others. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like that yeah. is the truth. And that is a normal thing to say without people going up in arms about it. Yeah. You bring in the word vaccine and it's not okay to say. So that's a good kind of place to end here. The ideas that you have and that I have, I actually don't think they're really controversial. Like I, I did a whole slide of post the other day saying, I'm not controversial. It's not controversial to say that bodily autonomy is a thing. I have a post yeah. that's identical to that from like maybe a month or so ago. And I was reading yours and I was like, it's, you know, like that's exactly how I feel too. Yeah. It's not controversial for me to believe these things or to say them. It, it is disturbing that the world thinks it's controversial. That's right. And more than anything for me, it feels the most scary that I'm not even allowed to ask. Right. Like, I don't care what anyone's unique beliefs are. I want to be able to ask and to question and to talk about it, right? Like I may come to the conclusion 
that I agree with you. Let me ask. Yeah. Right. Like, let me, like, I was, I learned to be a critical thinker. Like, am I not allowed to use it anymore? Right. It doesn't mean that I am phobic and racist and a white supremacist and an evangelical Christian. Doesn't mean that. No. Right. And it's like, why can people not have the space to be curious? That to me has been single handedly the most atrocious thing that I have witnessed in three years is people are not allowed to ask questions without major problems coming for them without being curious. Right. And I'm like, I, I personally can't stand for that. Well, to me, that just means that's my red flag for don't listen to this theory. If it cannot be questioned, Amen. I sister. won't listen to it. I know. Right. And that's true. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what do we teach children? Ask questions, be curious. I mean, this is at least what we were taught. Yeah. Right. In college, like we were taught, this is a theory. Like you're allowed to form your own opinions and thoughts in 2022. No, you are not. No, <laughs> no you are not. And, and if I don't you question it, there's something wrong with you. That's right. And I don't need to name call or get upset when I defend my opinion. Like my opinion, like I think we should love and accept everybody equally. I don't need to get mad. I don't need to call anyone a name. I could defend that all day long. We should, that everyone is equal and we should love and respect everyone. I could do that all day long. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's like the most obvious, easy thing in the whole world. Like I accept people for their differences. I accept people for thinking totally different than me. Yeah. Because that's normal. Yeah. (laughs) Like there's nothing rebellious about that. (laughs) How dare you get off my show. The true upside down, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like I never thought I would be having to defend my ability and I don't defend it, but defend everyone's ability and right to have questions. Mm or to speak your own truth or to want to be the parent to your own child or to believe that they are, their body is perfect and fine to believe that like, you know, like white people aren't better than black people and black people aren't better than white people. Like who thought we would have to be defending that? Mm-hmm. Not me, <laughs> not it's me. upside down. <laughs> you know, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. Katie, if people want to learn from you, if they would like coaching from you, where do they, where do they find you? Yes. Thank you for asking. Okay. Let me think about my Instagram. Okay. So it's katie.lynch on Instagram and my website is katielynchlcsw.com. And you'll find me at either of those places. My podcast, which is pretty new, started in June is called Rebel by Design. And it's still so fun. And I would love to have you on sometime if you're available. I would love to just poke some holes all day long. Poke holes. I know. Like, (laughs) can we just talk about this all over again? Yeah, 100%. Who knows what we'll be talking about next time? You know, what other weird things come up here? Something new will come up in the next month for sure. (laughs) Thank you so much, Carla. Thank you, Katie. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I mean, the things that Katie is saying are really common sense. (laughs) She's a critical thinker and it's really wild that right now these ideas are controversial. It's, we're in this bizarre day and time where there's selective tolerance, selective inclusivity. The things that are being yelled by extremists right now 
are those things. You know, we're, we desire to be inclusive. We desire to be progressive. But I don't think any of these ideas are inclusive or progressive or helpful to anyone. I think it's really important the work that people like Katie are doing, which is this, telling the truth. Just because the entire society is yelling at you to think or believe a certain thing does not mean you need to fall in line. And the world gets to very dangerous places when people don't say what they mean. When people go along with ideas they don't agree with. When we just go along to get along. And I'm going to end this podcast here with just that thought. Going along to get along is not a harmless act. Going along to get along is why we're witnessing these horribly damaging things progress. And it's going to get worse. So I think having conversations right now is incredibly important. We have to normalize saying what you think. We have to normalize standing up to woke progressive ideas. We need to normalize telling the truth. And I think we're starting to see the fruits of that. I do believe we're on a pendulum swing and the pendulum has swung so far to cuckoo land. I do have hope that we are starting to make our way over to the other side, especially as more and more people like Katie start to come out of the shadows and start saying what a lot of us um, aren't ready to say yet. So thanks again for listening to the show. I greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for the shares. Thank you for the comments, the likes. Uh, If you like what we do here on Sensemaking, please consider hitting the subscribe button and sharing to your social channels. It helps us a lot. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next time. Mm